So welcome to Cake Watch, the podcast about cake, the podcast about Brexit, um, but done from the point of view of some people who live and work here in Brussels, and so we bring a bit of a Brussels angle to it. My name is Chris Kendall, I am an EU official, but I'm tweeting in a strictly... Tweeting? I'm not tweeting, I'm podcasting. Tweeting, blogging, podcasting. I'm podcasting commentating. and tweeting in a strictly personal capacity, and that voice you hear... Is not Steve. Nick Crosby. Nick, thank you, yourself. thank you very much for inviting me on the show. Uh, so by day I'm a public affairs consultant, but at the moment I've taken time out from that to be a full, full-on campaigner to keep Britain in the EU, keep Britons in the EU. And I thank you, Chris and Steve, for inviting me on. So quick bit of follow-up. So Steve, so you, you, you may have heard the little... Um, little podcast put out last week where we said, oh, we've had enough, we're going on holiday. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> well um, Steve is still taking a break. Uh, I thought I would come back and Nick very kindly agreed to come along and talk to us. Nick's a Nick's, uh, top guy, very important um, person here in the Brussels bubble. So um, we're, we're very lucky to have you here and looking forward to, talk to you, talking to you about another very quiet, boring week. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, 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 you look away for a second or two and what, just a couple of cabinet ministers resign, junior ministers resign, you know, the whole thing. Um, it's, uh, you can't make this stuff up. But it's also, it's also, um, it's a bit like tweeting or podcasting from the fall of Saigon because of the sound of helicopters outside. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're, we're doing this, we're recording in, uh, in, my, in my living room uh, on my dining table actually um, and in Brussels and I live very close to the European Quarter and the Parc Saint-Catenau where um, right at this moment um, a bunch of NATO heads of state and heads of government are meeting in a summit including one in particular who does seem to cause a little bit more disruption than most. Yeah. Um, hence, hence all the um, police cars going past and um, security theatre that we witness. Yeah, no, I mean, we uh, literally were barricaded in our apartment. Yeah. There were two lines <laughs> of, of, of sort of razor wire and police everywhere, and they're like, do you have authorization? We're like, mm, we just sort of live here. <laughs> So thank you, Mr. Trump, for imprisoning me in my own home. <laughs> yeah, I thought I wasn't going to get out of the office for a while. It was, yeah. in fact, I couldn't get out of the office for a while, but um, happily I did get out in the end. But yeah, no, it's um, it's a funny week. Gosh, you know, Trump very strange. Here, and he kicked off breakfast with the most incredible set of statements, like Germany, you're owned by Russia. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. How many billions of American treasuries do the Chinese hold on that logic? China yeah. owns America, but let's, you know, we could talk about that as well, Chris, but it's the backdrop to a hell of a week. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, in, in any normal week, the, the latest revelations about um, Facebook being fined for um, giving data or selling data to various dodgy outfits who've then given that data on to the Russian government and the meetings between the leaders of the Leave campaign and the Russian ambassador and so on. But this isn't even... This is even even this doesn't isn't penetrate. even near the top the top of the stories this week. Doesn't penetrate. I mean, the, the Russia stories you say on any on any other year or any other week would be transfixing Britain <laughs> and worrying. I mean, deeply worrying the degree to which our politics has been invaded and our and our democracy hacked. And yeah, it, it, yeah, it's like you know, it's not even on the news. <laughs> yeah, days, and then there was a very there was a very good um, very good article in the Guardian today by. Oh God, I've forgotten his name now. Um, who wrote a very good piece, pulling the BBC up on this? Like, why? Why aren't you covering this stuff? Mm. Come on! I mean, this is this is big stuff. This should, you should be covering this. It's got beyond um, the conspiracy theorists and tin foil hatters yeah, uh, yeah, like yeah. myself. Um, it's now, you know, a serious a serious question that. A lot of people are asking, "What's going on? Why? Why is the BBC not covering this?" It's well. Very 
We may have to wait for our American friends to come up with more indictments. I mean, the rumour... I mean, there are all sorts of rumours about who Mueller's going to pull in next. Uh, I mean, one of the rumours I heard from someone who follows the UK end of this quite closely, and this is pure rumour here, Chris, so, you know, this could be complete bollocks. But, hey, we're in the bollocks games at the moment. We do do have disclaimers. We do have disclaimers. But was that actually um, one of the reasons why Johnson didn't go sooner was that May had threatened him with a public inquiry into how Leave had been conducting themselves. So, you know, f- you know, toe the line or we'll, we'll drill deeper into this. I hadn't this. heard that one. That's interesting. So what, yeah. sort of May was threatening him to keep him in his job? Well, threatening him to toe the line and basically to come on board with the Chequers agreement, you know, toe the line, <laughs> agree it, or we'll drill further. And there are, other, there are other reports, and these are reports of discussions that the MI6 have been briefing yeah. senior cabinet ministers. And the, and the third rumour is that apparently Johnson is excluded from some of this stuff because they just regard him as a... Well, they <laughs> regarded him as a complete loose cannon, so he just wasn't getting the, the full detail anyway. So, for what it's worth... But how interesting. Yeah. I mean, Gossip watch Corner. The, Gossip Corner. Watch this space. I mean, I, I think the Mueller thing's going to bring some more stuff to light. When? In the next two to three months. Who yeah. knows? Um, I mean, clearly Farage is at the centre of that. Again, the other rumour is that he's already copped a plea, and he's, he's, that's why he's fishing in Bermuda, because if they go after him, <laughs> he's probably already, you know, made his deal. Mm. Um, but I, I find it very surprising if he escapes from something. I mean, he's at the centre of all those Venn diagrams, there is a yeah. Farage. It and does for Matthew Elliott as well. He's, he's yes. another one beneath the radar who really needs watching. It does very, seem very impossible good. that there aren't going to be people who end up in some kind of serious criminal justice situation as a result of all of this. I mean, there really ought to be, you feel, that there, there, there has to be. Yeah. Listen, yes, we must move on to Brexit. Well, but no, we, have, we haven't finished the, we haven't finished the follow-up yet. <laughs> we haven't finished the follow-up yet, which is that I... Um, s- some listeners who heard uh, me do the little mini one last week will be thinking, oh, hang on a second, isn't he supposed to be off on, on paternity leave? Well, no, not yet, because um, we're still waiting. And, uh, yeah, we're going to keep waiting until things happen, so... Congratulations, Chris. Well, don't, don't, no, wait, let's congratulate me when it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like England in the World Cup. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was the other just, thing. We just finished watching. <laughs> that was the other thing that we, we just did, yeah. You, you, and your, you and your girlfriend came over for, for dinner. Thank you. We, Thank sat you and, uh, we sat and we watched the um, World Cup semi final. And now we're podcasting. Yeah. This is the fun stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, so listen, so, um, well, we've already begun to scratch the itch, um, but there's so much going on. Um, it, it's, it's got to be worth coming back and having a quick chat about it, hasn't it? So let's talk a little bit. Let's talk about this Checkers pyjama party. <laughs> and, the lock-in. Yeah. Um, the long walk of shame down the drive. Shit. To be, to be picked up by Christopher Chope's wife. Oof, fun and games there. And because ministerial cars were going to be removed from anybody who resigned or was sacked. I think Offock were also offering to chauffeur people back as well. That was one of Femi's yeah. stunts. But, uh, yeah, no one did it. No one did it on the night. They just sort of took their time. So why do you think that is? Why why, why didn't they do it at the time? Why did, why did they go to all the trouble of showing support and expressing support and then sort of thinking about it and a couple of days later, no, nah, I'm going to walk. Really hard to answer that. I mean, in Davis's case, well, first of all, you know, what was that old joke Dorothy Parker said about the death of Calvin Coolidge? You know, how can they tell? You know, the loss of Davis is, well, how can they tell? He's no longer, you know, who cares? Who cares and how can they tell? You know, I think, you know, he was probably too bloody lazy to do it on the day. He thought, you know what, I enjoy being a minister. I'm going to go to Silverstone on Sunday and then I'll do it. Um, and he's clearly not going to run to be... Uh, you know, a Tory leader. He's had his shot years ago and, he, and, and no one's rating him. So I think he just probably thought, oh, I've, I finally understood the problem I've got myself into. Yeah, now's the time to go. Mm-hmm. And he's probably too lazy to, to do it on the day. Johnson, on the other hand, he probably was pushed by Davis. You know, he hadn't calculated that someone else would go. He felt he was the man in control of, of the levers. <laughs> And then once Davis had moved, he thought, shit, I better do something. And it all looked, it all looked a bit hurried, um, apart from, of course, the staged 
photo of him signing his, his <laughs> resignation paper, his oh, letter. So, um, as far as, as you know, as calculated as it could be, you know, he, oh, he, it was. So it seems to me, it seems to me that Davis, um, Davis probably went away and had a bit of a think about it and decided, you know what, no. I'm, no, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm tired. I think that's probably what happened with him. And and I think that he, you know, while we, let's be honest, don't have a particularly high rating of, of him, um, he at least sort of looked at his file, looked at his job, looked at where he was, looked at where he wanted to be and thought, no, I'm walking. And you think you can, you can, you can understand that. But, but Johnson, Johnson... I mean, what a Johnson. Yeah, Johnson, the biggest Johnson of them all. I mean, what? you know, it's funny. I I never liked the guy, and I always distrusted him, ever since I read in The Private Eye years and years ago about his attempt the to... Yeah, the guppy. Mm. The guppy event. Mm. And, you know, he just struck me as one of these types, you may have met them when you were at university, you know, these, these sort of union types of hacks who are smart ass. Quick-witted, um, enormously confident in almost in inverse proportions to their sort of wisdom and common sense, who just bluster their way around and who bullshit their way in and, and, and get what, get what they want, and added to that rather nasty side that you saw in the Guppy incident, which he then disguised over his career over many years with this rather false sort of bonhomie and the, and the bumbling idiot type. Well, it was, it was, it was, and that was calculated too, but everyone bought it, everyone lapped it up. No, I know. They, they, um, they, they, it was the have I got news for you thing, wasn't it? It was when, yeah. when he was pulled onto that and, and the shtick yeah. seemed to land and, and they carry a lot of responsibility. They do, and, and, but I think Britain as a whole, they, they indulge this, this figure and it's interesting that i mean the number of people have now come out and absolutely slammed him from the right mm-hmm. you know people his old friends or his old stable mates you know max hastings this week mm-hmm. absolutely excoriating piece that destroyed him um obviously ian dunn wrote a brilliant piece on johnson fr- from our side so to speak uh, and then the new york times came in well it was and, jenny russell and jenny was, russell hers, hers was the best i thought though, but, which but was in the new york times. that was that was jenny russell of the times but then the new york times itself the board wrote their own piece saying you know good riddance johnson so i mean he's made a lot of enemies and many on the right who've come out and basically called it mm. but a lot of those like hastings indulged johnson in his early career i mm. mean johnson was in these parts you know Shilling well, away, writing the crap, writing the crap, writing the crap. So no, he's, got he's got form. He's got form. You know, he was indulged. He took advantage, and look, the guy nearly pulled it off. Um, but but I think his chances have gone now. I don't think he'll get the top job. Do you think so? No, I, I think people realise. Well, he's, he's not going to get the top job. But do you think his? Do you, I mean, where's he go now? I mean, this is back to journalism. Is this it for his political I, career? Well, I think he'll. I think he'll wreck. I think he'll do some wrecking. We'll see what happens on Monday when he makes his resignation speech. Um, I mean, he's one of these figures who actually, if he stuck to what he was good at, he's actually a good journalist and he's good at explaining ancient history. And he did a, a great BBC series. He's a bit like Portillo. He's in the wrong job. He should be doing sort of Portillo-like TV programs and never, ever get close to public office or public authority or public uh, leadership ever again. And he might recover himself from that position. Hmm. But frankly, he should leave the public stage. Well, he would, have to, he would have to go for a while, wouldn't he? Yeah. So it was interesting coming back to Brussels this week because Brussels has been really bored. And I'm talking about non-Brits. I mean, the, we, mm. we, we Brits, mm. of course, are all obsessed by Brexit. But the non-Brits back here are generally quite bored and, and, and have lost sight of Brexit a long time ago. But this... This made the news and this got them interested again. So I've been fielding all week. I've been fielding friends and mm. colleagues coming up to me saying, so what's all this about Boris Johnson? What happens now? What happens mm. now? So it's interesting. I mean, he, he, he is a known character. I mean, not for good reasons, but he is a known character and a known quantity. And this sense of um, chaos, it, 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 the, res- the resignation of these two ministers gives a sense of crisis and chaos which is probably accurate yes but uh, people hadn't probably been noticing and you had that trump comment as well didn't you um so i couldn't answer their question so i would be i've been asked by a number of people 
what does this mean? Where does this go? And honestly, I mean, it may partly be just the, the fatigue that we've all been feeling yeah, yeah, and that I was talking we? about last yeah. week. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. Where, I, I, I just can't. I have no... I've lost my crystal ball. I've lost my sense for where this is heading. I, I, can't, I can't work it out now. Where, where do you feel this is going now? Well, I'm a bit like you. I think we are all a bit lost. Uh, I mean, the, the possible outcomes still remain the same. The question is, are you moving, are the probabilities changing? So is no deal exit cliff edge now more likely than not? It's a hard one to answer. It depends the degree to which Jacob Rees-Mogg, ERG and possibly Johnson and others now decide or have decided that this is where the insurrection and the civil war begins in earnest. So that they will actively try to bring down the government or prevent the checkers or further negotiations. Um, how would they do ahead. that? Well, more resignations. From th- what? Who, who would resign? Uh, junior ministers. Uh, maybe they're going to get constituency uh, um, chairmen to start writing in, start putting pressure on 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 on, on May through the 1922 committee. Uh, build up the sense that her premiership has got to come to an end now. There was a very interesting YouGov poll, I'm not sure if you saw it, of Conservative members, which was frightening in its in the message that it sent, which was, we knew that they were an anti-European party, but they are more so now than they were two years ago. I think in the, in the, in the referendum, around 60, 65% of Conservatives voted leave. Now it's well over 70 who believe leaving was the right thing. And almost 50% of Conservative members polled think no deal is OK. Hmm. And when they looked at the possible runners and riders for a leadership challenge, there were only two who really stood out, Jacob Rees-Mogg and Javid. Hmm. Now, that's really interesting. So Mogg and ERG are really in the game of replacing May. Brexit, get over the line. So, Seems to be where that's heading. So is Brexit a means to get rid of May up to a point? But it's get rid of May. But um, that, okay, so that's not quite how. So, so 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 the way I see it is that their their goal is to get us past March 29th next year because then they've got their Brexit one way or the other, and they don't really care what kind. They think they can fix it afterwards. So their 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 plan is do whatever it takes to get us past that past that goal. So. Now you've got a bunch of them. I mean, the ERG looks to be imploding. I mean, you've got some very interesting leaked WhatsApp chats yeah. where you can see them beginning to fight amongst themselves, and that's yeah. not that's not the sign of a no. of a healthy and strong insurrection. Um, I hear what you're saying about um, grassroots membership, but that's shrinking all the time, and meanwhile donors are falling away aren't they so so it seems to me that we may now be seeing Theresa may finally doing what people have been telling us to do all, all the time all, all that time which is start showing some teeth start standing up to these people is that what that may be what she's doing that may be what she was doing with checkers and you know it was like well you know you like it or lump it and they thought they liked it and then they decided to lump mm. it but either way mm. she this is where i'm going she says well maybe maybe not but then what does lump it mean what could they do yeah they could they could get consti- constituency chairman to write in but what does that what does that do ultimately their only real sanction is to trigger a leadership um a leadership election now remind me i've i've forgotten but how does it work who at which point do the mps step in and which well, point do yeah. the constituency it, membership step in you're right i mean they've they've they need i think it's 48 to trigger MPs. But, then, but then they've got to have a they've got to win within the mps for it to then go to the to the membership with two candidates exactly so, so they, you, don't, they don't have enough for the second step is what i'm understanding yeah, yeah. but i you're right i just to go back to what, what I think was going, I think you're right. May, May was trying to flush them out, and I think some of them are fighting back. And whatever their strategy is, I, I think it's twofold. One is to get over the line and then change the deal later. I think I agree with you on that. But I think they're also trying to do something, perhaps this is too subtle for them, 
and I'm over-interpreting, it's, it's almost to degrade her sufficiently such that on the 1st of April next year she falls down dead politically and they can swoop in. Oh, so, that, yeah, so, But they can't threaten her too much because they don't want to own the mess until they're in control. But they've got to threaten her enough and just degrade her, wear her down, make her feel insecure, um, use up her resources and time and focus and energy so that she, a bit like Davis, throws her hands up and says, I've had enough, I've done my best, it's time to move on. So it's a bit like Goldilocks, not too hot, not too cold. They want to, they want to degrade her sufficiently so that she goes. They can take over and they get over the line. Mm. Um, so do they launch a bid? Don't they launch a bid? Um, look, the very fact the government is destabilised is a win for them, I think. And the opposition doing nothing. So, um, but, you know, it, it is very unclear. And, and, and I think you're right, ERG has cracks within it. But then so, so do the, so the so-called Remainers, the Grieve lot. I mean, they're not the united group either. Um, the Labour rebels... Also an odd bunch. Yeah. Hardcore of four or five who will vote with the Conservatives. Then you've got a penumbra of others who came on board uh, to, to vote with the government. So, I mean, it's not entirely clear where these factions are going to settle. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it, we just, we're still... We're, we're still exactly where we've been all this time, which is we're looking at a parliament which were the opposition opposing and united in their opposition... It would be a completely different ball game, but they're not. And and what with a divided opposition, the leadership of which does not seem to be remotely inclined to tackle them on Brexit, there's 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 nowhere for this to go. It's a stalemate. Um, yeah, it is. It's like a horrible World War One stalemate, and and you know everyone's being you know, blown to pieces in this charnel house and no one really, no one can see a way forward yet. Although I think, you know, Chequers in a way is a move towards the so-called soft Brexit. You know, it's a semi single market solution. The direction of travel would seem to be towards possibly conceding on services, expanding, you know, the deal. Which, of course, is really going to hurt ERG and G uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg times. So in that sense... What is it, though? I mean, that's what they say. But they would have all been quite happy to settle for that before the referendum, wouldn't they? Well, they would. But, I mean, I, 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 think, I think the direction of travel is now one way. I mean, I think it's very hard now for May to get harder in her, her stance. She can only become softer or threaten it's this deal or no deal to, to the opponents of that. But they're, they're, and, they're, and they're busy talking up no deal. But the thing is, you get the sense that that particular um, unicorn has been suitably stabbed. And what, no deal? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you get the sense that the wider public and the wider media now... See it's for the insanity. Yeah, that now, it, that now it get is. that no deal. Is. But, but not for the, not for the not for the conservative membership who you know that's the, that's that's the, the sub game or the, the the side game that's going on, which is conservative members really like it. Yeah, but do they care? I mean, do, do they matter? Well, they will do if if there's a serious challenge, and of course that begs the question about numbers within the conservative parliamentary party. But you know, assuming that the game is there are two games, or if not multiple games being played simultaneously and it's always been about who controls the Conservative Party. I mean, the referendum campaign at the end was a sickening display of, of leadership, you know, sharks, in a, sharks in, a, in, a, in a basin trying to kill each other. It was a sickening display of, of, of that. And we're now at a second, a second stage of that, mm. people manoeuvring for that. Oh, um, so that's, that's part of the calculation about this. It's, it's not just Brexit and getting to March, it's replacing May. And Conservative members really like no deal and they really like Brexit and the harder the better. Um, and they do vote. They're the voters who will make that decision, assuming there are two candidates. I mean, if, if the Conservative Party comes to their senses and say, look, May's got to go or she's given her best, let's all rally around one unity candidate, well, then the membership don't get a look in. Mm. But, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Remind me, because he did a Vox Pop for us. Do you remember? 
a um, couple of months back when we were at um, one of our tweet ups. Yeah. What was your what was your ranking or rating for whether you thought we would stop Brexit? Weren't you super optimistic that we'd stop it? I've always thought it was an option somewhere between ten and twenty percent to to end Brexit. As was I that all? I thought now. you were. I thought you were much more optimistic. Than no, that. I mean, I, I thought no deal exit was a was a frighteningly high probability, and then I then some form of agreement was perhaps the most probable outcome. And then there was a 10 to 20% chance of ending Brexit. So how do you feel about it now? Oh, I think it's all to play for. I mean, you know, we were both at the big march, what, two weeks ago in London, yeah. which was a, mm. tremendous, a tremendous boost after the, the, mm. the, the week before. I see two tracks working at the same time. And one is citizens' actions, you know, people standing up, showing up, getting involved in a variety of different ways, being present. And then it becomes extremely difficult for um, MPs to look the other way and try and ignore us. They can't. And the more vociferous we are, the more vocal we Mm. are, the more that we're asking questions, the more we're showing up. It's much, much harder for them to dismiss all the questions that will come with whatever deal May brings back. Because whatever deal she comes back with will be crap. Mm. And if people are steaming up to their representatives saying... Look, how does that deal with this? How does that solve that? What about my florist's business? You know, what about this? What about that? You know, and then just remorselessly grind it into them that this is a shit deal. As we know, it is. Mm. It has to be. Um, then I think the calculation starts to turn in MPs' minds. So they've got citizen pressure on the one hand. And, and you, you talked about the poll tax in, in, in some of mm. your other podcasts. And I think it's a very, very relevant example. Yeah. That was action on the street. It was a clearly ideological idiocy yeah. driven forward. Portillo, actually, I remember him standing up at a conservative conference saying, I will champion this, you know, Thatcherite yeah. standard bearer. Mm. Um, and so, and, and, and there was real action on the streets, you know, old ladies being dragged off the streets. We've got to do that. We've got yeah. to do that. That's one set of actions. And then the second set of actions is working on people in Westminster, possibly in the Labour Party, possibly, you know, Grievites in the Conservative Party, so that when key votes come, as they will on the final deal, that they, they, mm. they, vote, they vote the right way. So I think that, and those two work together. Mm. You know, I think that the, the, the huge march that we are, we were on, you know, will reinforce people working on the inside of Westminster and, and, and vice versa. Yeah. And we've got to get those two things working better together. And it, it slowly infuses the public sphere, doesn't it? Yeah. And you start to get, you know, it starts to get to the point where mainstream media, BBC and so on can't ignore it. And that, that was the change that we had with the, the march a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. We started getting coverage that we hadn't been getting. Exactly, and Sky News were there. Well, Sky seemed to be a lot more on, on it, actually, strangely, interestingly. Yeah. Uh, they do seem to have a much more yeah. um, active editorial policy towards acknowledging that there is yeah. still an argument here and that people aren't settling. Whereas BBC just seems to be like, well, it's, it's, it's done, referendum's over, this, this is not a story anymore. Yeah. Well, I don't know what's going on in the B, but I think it's partly culture and tradition. And they've got a lot of old me- old men sitting in positions there who just don't want to move with the times. Well, do you know what? One great thing about doing this podcast has been that um, uh, we've had some really, really good messages from people sent to us um, via the, 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 the contact email address. Mm. And I did get I did get one from um, somebody. I have to be careful because I wouldn't want to out this person in any no, way yeah, at yeah. all. But somebody not not a million miles away from the BBC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> who so some they are listening to us and they were like, you know, okay, um, it 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 helps and yeah. we hear you. Yeah. And, you know. No, I mean I don't want to tar everyone with the same brush, and we we know that. I mean it's a big organisation. I've had friends who've worked there, and we know Laura who's an XB correspondent and you know we know we know it's not easy, an easy an easy boat to turn around no. um, but I'm my, and this isn't just generally about news my general feeling over the last five to ten years has been it's losing a bit of its edge oh I agree and I, I feel and, feel know, great sympathy for, for, for friends and who people want to who move work it on and, and, and freshen it up yeah. and, and li- 
liven it up. I mean, it's politi- but it's not even just that. It's more. It's more the, the the scale of political oversight and interference and how they deal with that when they have people parachuted in over their heads. And yeah. it must be a very difficult time for people at the BBC. I yeah. do. I mean, I, I you know yeah. when I'm critical of the BBC. Yeah, it's true. I'm not being critical of individuals working no. there. I think it must be a terrifically difficult place to work yeah. sometimes. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, before we leave the issue of the march, we must recall that there's going to be another one. 20th, 20th of October. 20th of October in London. There's also going to be uh, a mini uh, rally on the 5th of September here in Brussels from 5 o'clock at the Rond Place. So talk, talk a bit about that. Well, I've only been involved in this on the periphery and only very recently so I, I don't have as much information as I would like to share which I will do with you as, as it evolves um, it's going to involve perhaps a bit more of the music more of the um, speech making less of the big sort of um, sort of political type it will be a li- have a little bit more humorous flavour so I think we'll get Madalena over hopefully we'll get some MEPs um, and we're looking, I think, partly to build on on what on, on what went on in the march in London, and also what happened afterwards at the Beehive to try and rally folks here in Brussels to connect back to the campaign in the UK, and also to help MEPs and decision makers here realise that it's not over in yeah. the UK. That there is millions of there are millions of people who want a second bite of this, who want a people's vote who want to remain in the European Union, who, who share our values and, and everything we stand for. Because it's very easy, as you said. People here think, oh, it's the Brits, they've made their decision, Christ, why can't we get on with it? But actually, it's not a done deal and no. it's not settled. And so this is a message carried back to Brussels to say, look, mm. we're fighting for this. And it's a message back to people in the UK. Mm. You've got friends here, friends who can help in your campaign, in the campaigns, and we want to be participating. So, yeah, let me talk about that for a second, because that's a really interesting point. So um, people sat in the UK um, listening to us might be thinking, well, why, why, why would you why would you want to do a demo in Brussels? What what's you know, and it, what you said is very important. Um, now, the, the rank and file Eurocrats, everyone won. Yeah. Um, have lost generally lost sight of Brexit and considered it to be a done deal and, and, and the UK's gone and we're all moving on and, um, that's not true of course for the people a, a it's not true for us Brits B it's not true for the people who are actually working on, on Brexit and there are of course people who are still working on the uh, withdrawal agreement but also the future agreement and indeed well, I was doing um, I was I was talking to a colleague just um, yesterday morning yeah. who, who had some questions for me about um, Oh, what do you? Th- how do you think we should attack? We should tackle this issue, and you know, so it's a live issue that we are, you know, working on. You know, so that, that that's exciting. But the key thing, as you say, is that while we haven't left, we're still EU citizens, and these people work for us. They work for you. They work for you and me. They work for us. If you're a British citizen, a British voter. If until the UK has left, the UK hasn't left, which means that you're in the EU and these people work for you. So, and they're listening and they feel that, they're conscious of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who work for you in Brussels are not British MEPs. Christ, certainly not some of them. Mm. They're not the British commissioner. They're not British people who happen to work in the European Commission like me. They're any EU official anybody who works at the eu because we represent all europeans not just the people who happen to be born yeah. in the same place as us and that's really important because they're they're there for you they're listening for you they're they're, they're looking out for you this is why people like giva hofstadt are doing what they're doing yeah i mean he's doing as much if not more for british people than any British M- MP or MEP or, or well, official. There are some. There are some fantastic oh, British MEPs yeah, working really hard. Yeah, I know. But 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 when you look at him, when you look at what he was doing when he went in to talk to the um, select committee and the, the Brexit committee the other the other the other day, what you know what a contrast. Yeah. Don't you want him? You know, having you back, and he has. He's got you back. Yeah. So this is so this is a really important thing. It's really important that we. <laughs> 
they they all you know they're doing this, but they you know they they need feedback too, and they need to know that they're doing it for a reason, and yeah. that what they're doing is noticed and appreciated. So this is great. So write to your MEPs, write to your write to not just your MEPs, but write to the leaders of committees, people like Verhofstadt. Verhofstadt is there for you. Yeah. Write to um, the European Commission. Write to. Um, yeah. C- come and join us on the 5th of September. I and mean, there'll be people coming over from the UK yeah. for this. Um, and, the, and the other point, I think it's a really important point you, ra- you, you raised there, Chris, which is we're only at the beginning of a negotiation that could last many years. Mm. And we need our friends, our neighbours and our allies. We need to be working with them. Even when we've left, we're going to need, they're going to need to know about us and what mm. we care about and what we believe in if we leave. So this is, this is very much a continuing relationship that we need to keep alive mm. um and we we had a mini rally after the london rally here in brussels on the 28th of june around the summit and what was interesting there is we had a bulgarian mep who came up onto the platform we had a little flash mob doing our dance outside uh, your offices actually yep. just by the wrong place at least three quarters of them were non-brits who mm. all passionate about wanting to keep britain in mm. who see and understand how important it is that citizens rights issues are mm. dealt with because this you know, this is part, Brexit is part of a bigger battle. Yeah. Everyone knows it's part That's of right. a bigger battle we face against populism, against broken democracy, against hacked democracy, against Russian interference. They see that. That's why they were participating yeah. with us. And that's why, that's why it's also really important that um, we show solidarity also with EU27 citizens in the UK. So, Absolutely. There, there, for example, there was, um, there was a, a, a petition going around today um, precisely on this issue and it was not attracting it was not getting traction it was mm. not it didn't seem to be building momentum which was a real shame and and a number of us did a little, did what we could to try and sort of mm. raise its profile and get it going um, I'm going to have a quick pause here while I dig it out uh, on my computer. I'm going to have a look and see where it is. And then I'll also mention what it is so that people can go Good, and go. sign it. Sign yeah, if you're listening yeah. to this and you haven't signed it, please go and sign it. So a yeah. uh, quick pause while we go and find it. All right, we're back here. So here it is. It's... Um Petition. Keep the rights of EU27 and EFTA citizens already in the UK unchanged after Brexit. Uh, at the moment, this, sig- this petition has got only 5,238 signatures. That is not enough. We need more signatures. So um, I'm going to put the um, I'm going to put a link to it in the notes, um, which you'll find on the website. Um, check my Twitter too, because I've retweeted this. Um, so somebody uh, on Twitter that you might know who is doing a great job of pushing this uh, is, is Simon Bruni, S-I-M-O-N-B-R-U-N-I, Simon Bruni. Um, let, let's get this past 10,000 uh, and then give it some legs because that, that's a really important petition. I mean, I, you know, I'm not always particularly keen on petitions, but this one is so important to show solidarity yeah. and to show Parliament that... You know, this is these people aren't. You know, the three million are not just um, representing themselves and fighting for themselves. Then we, we've got their back. So yeah. come on, we can do better than five thousand people for God's sake. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. So there you go. Um, right. Back to my notes. Um, there are lots of four-letter words in my notes, um, generally uh, relating to Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I can't. I can't use my usual swear swear about him because um, Steve always edits it out. But I can't. I can't ask poor old Steve to do it when he's supposed to be. Your editing operating. skills aren't sufficient that you can swear enough that you can then delete your own swearing. <laughs> I probably could. But <laughs> he's got a special lot. little. Um, he's got a special little sound that he uses. He's got a little button. It's like. Bzz. Yeah. Well, there's a mute button on his mic. Yeah. Um, all right. So Boris Johnson. That. Yeah. <laughs> Get it off your chest. <laughs> um, so listen, um, what else? Yeah. It's on. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's on. I it's you, on. You, no, don't worry. I, I put it back on after I called Boris Johnson. Uh, <laughs> you didn't call him anything. Chris, speak loud. I didn't hear it. <laughs> Oh, oh dear. Johnson couldn't happen to a nicer bloke, could it? 
Yeah, he's oh, a nasty be piece a of work. Happy day when we see the back of him. Yeah, you know, he, he's really he's on. one of these politicians that he, he's a bit like Trump. You, you ask yourself, what what does it? And Farage, in fact, what does it take, or what will it take to bring the man down? You know, what kind of revelation will it be? Will it be money? Will it be sex? Will it be something? It would be murder. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, some people, I, I don't know. They just oh. have this ability. To, it just the Teflon it slips it off just, them. It just, it's been, you know, it's, it's been, been violence, and that hasn't worked. It's been. I mean, money never works for Tories, does it? Um, yeah, know. sex for Tories and money for Labour. But he's, mm. he's both. I mean, you know, I mean, anyway, we'll see. I mean, to be honest, it's when, it's when his old friends and backers, you know, the, 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 the indulgent Conservative or small-c Conservative Brits actually see him for what he is and, he, and the sort of the warm bath of, of, of social acceptance is withdrawn and he's left... Mm cold and isolated that's when he really suffers his punishment because i don't know there was an ft a brilliant ft uh, profile of him i think three or four years ago just after the referendum or maybe just before it told me a lot about johnson the man which i never knew about i mean his relationship with his father the fact that his father was so wayward his desperate desire for attention is what's driven him from a very young age and it's like you playing an amateur psychologist here but the piece was brilliant because it, it sort of made you have a sense of why he's just always performing mm. he desperately craves something mm. and so the only way ultimately to punish him or to for him to come to, to realize the consequences of what he's done is for him to be left alone that would be the ultimate for him. And here we are talking about him. Well, exactly. So well, I, look, I promise you this. If I'm ever asked back, and I'd be honoured, I will never mention this man's name again. Well, I'm looking at the notes that, you, that, that we've, we've made, and I see that, I mean, I, I, I had suggested that we shouldn't do a lie of the week this week because I'm just so tired of the whole thing. But you've got one. It is Boris Johnson. His whole career has been one long lie. Um, and I think we've talked enough about that to, to give all the listeners some 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 clues. Um, yeah. I mean, even in his resignation letter, <laughs> he was claiming that it was the EU oh, on the God. lorries. I mean, the whole that was, thing. But that was I mean, what, it's just such a... I and mean, it's like, fuck, he can't even stop himself no, lying no, when he's resigning. It's like, you cannot make this up, Chris. You just no, can't. No. It's just farcical. It's astonishing. But that, I thought, was also... That was encouraging because what happened was instantly... Uh, just a whole host of people popped up out. and said, well, that's a lie. Of course it and, is. you know, that, that's not something that we had seen very often before. At least I felt that I felt it was a bit different this time. I yeah. felt that, no, no, people are fact-checking this. So-and-so. Before, uh, barely has, have the words left his mouth and he's being pulled up on it. So this is, this is a positive... This is a positive development. But. I think you're right. I mean, what we are slowly finding our way towards is look our opponents Elliot Cummings Gove Johnson the Russians etc have have figured out how to run very successful modern campaigns using social media and various other propaganda techniques we on our side have slowly started to work it out we haven't yet got a full response to it but we're finding our way forward and this is a small example of that I would love to know and hear from listeners and Twitter, Twitterati and others how we can better improve this, because this is this is part of the new politics. This is part of the new new way po policies and politics are conducted. Mm. And we've got to have our eyes open. It, it, it's a bit like the media. We can't complain about it and, and just moan about it. We've got to work out how to, how to deal with it. And so, you know, dealing with a Johnson, dealing with an Elliot, dealing with a Dom Cummings, all these characters, mm. we've got to figure out the game because they're, they're, they've been ahead. Mm. Let's be honest, they've been ahead. They beat us in, in the referendum because they were ahead in these techniques. It doesn't mean we copy them necessarily. Well, exactly. But it means we understand the game. Yeah. We work out the strategy and then we put in the firewalls or we put in the, 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 yeah. the fact checks or we put in the, um, you know, we put in the responses and we know how to reply. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think I think what we what we what we have to do is we have to avoid being dragged into playing that same yeah. game. Yeah. Because that that way just leads down and down and down to a very dark yeah. place. Yeah. Um, and and you feel that that's kind of what has been happening. Yeah. So it is encouraging to me that 
when he does what he usually does, which is lie his way out of um, out of office. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's pulled up on it straight away, and that's 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 good. Yeah. But then then the challenge is well, that's fine. But ha- is who who's that reaching? How many how many people is that reaching? Are there, is it reaching the right people? Well, I think that's the second stage. I mean, the first stage is sort of figure out the techniques that they use. I mean, the classic one is you know the misdirection, the distraction. So bad piece of news is coming. Oh, drop the dead cat on the table. Talk about this or what was it? He was he was building a bridge somewhere. Mm. This man was building a bridge oh, to France bridge. or something. Mm. You know, so that's the first. You know, there's a set of three or four responses. Trump's a, a master at this mm. too. You know, high the news, look over there, look at the birdie. Mm. Oh, no. The important thing about looking at the birdie is he doesn't want to tell you about this. So let's repeat mm. what he's trying to avoid and drill into what he's mm. trying to avoid. Um, so we're, so the first step is, you know, working out the play, countering it. And then you're right. How do you then persuade people beyond, mm. beyond the echo chamber of what's going on? I think that will come. And I think the more people are literate in these you know, media, the better it will mm. become. But my God, we've got a long way to go. I, mean, I'm, I, f- I feel like a complete novice out there. Mm. Do you want to talk about... Um, we've got about 10 minutes left, uh, tops. We don't have to use it all. Do you want to talk about the people who come in to replace Davis and Johnson? And, and what... I mean, it's, it, this is not our sweet spot, certainly not my sweet spot, because, I mean, I'm more com- comfortable talking about, you know, Brussels reactions and, 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 and strategy. Uh, I'm, not an ex- I'm not a Westminster expert. But, um, I mean, Dominic Raab is an interesting guy. I mean, he is charismatic, but he is super extremist. I mean, he's a proper sort of new, new right, new Tory, um, who has taken some exceptionally liberal positions on things like the NHS and so on. Um, what's he there to do? Because surely this is now all being managed from number 10. Well, I think that's a really interesting point you make. Um, he is an ideologue. He, yeah, he, he is also like a, a, a bulldog or a, or a Rottweiler in the way that, you know, Davis was, you know, just a sort of poodle lying on his back. So, I mean, they've put in someone who's going to drive this. And, and, and the danger for May is that I think she's put in... I think what May thinks is she's put in an ambitious, very ambitious um, careerist ideologue into a position where she thinks she can control him. So his energy, she thinks, will be devoted to pushing her agenda. But I think he will want to push this thing to a harder direction mm. than she wants so that's a risk for her she's got energy and drive but she's also got an ideologue yeah. so i watch that space i don't know to what degree you know that fit is going to work for her we know what's in it for him you know he's he's a rabidly ambitious politician you're absolutely right he's very extreme um i don't think he has much of a clue about the eu i don't yeah. think he's had any experience working here Mm. understanding the people, the finger spitz and gefühl of how things get mm. done and who's who. I mean, that's been absent pretty much with all the UK. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of a single politician who seems to have had any understanding or even intent to understand, which is, which is even worse. It's, there's one thing not to know, and the other is actually, I want to know. I want to get Liding, to know Liding. Barnier. I want to get to know the task force. I want to get to know my interlocutors. I want to feel at ease here. Lid, no. Lid, Liddington. Oh, Liddington was so weak. No, 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 Liddington. No, I mean, I, 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 I work with a guy. I mean, he, 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 he knew it, but he didn't stand up for for the issues. Whenever I saw him, he was. He, he, we'll probably have to d- agree to disagree. You I'm almost certainly knew him a lot better than I did. I just saw him publicly, and I thought, God, this guy needs a backbone. He needs to stand up and defend this stuff. I'm sure he knew the stuff, but he, he, he wasn't the remain. You know. Oh no! I'm not saying that he was. I'm not. I'm not saying that he is a, a super politician who can be a figurehead for. I mean, obviously he wasn't. You know, and he's certainly not going to be now. Obviously, but I, I mean, if, you, if you're asking for a Tory front yes. rank politician who who knows who the knew EU and Liddington is interested did. in understanding it, well, I, he is one. He, but he wasn't driving policy, and he wasn't really being. Put, he's not been evident in this negotiation, mm. as far as I can see, anywhere. Um, and, and he, he represented a tradition which I think has died off over many years. 
and it's not coming back. Mm. And the irony, of course, Rab is one of the younger ones. You'd have thought, you know, maybe they're a little bit more aware of Mm. how Europe works, more interested. No, if anything, he he is further away from where Europe is than Conservatives, you know, that we would have known in the 80s and 90s. Oh, yeah, no, um, and, and in that sense, the future of the Conservative Party is not going f- further in yeah, our direction. No, it's going that's, further away. That's so that's my, that's my take on Raab. Mm. Mm. Um, and then as probably balancing, you know, Baker's resigned, so you've got to have a, you know, a, a hard lever, you know, to, to make up mm. the numbers. So that's probably part of the calculation. Um, well, no doubt, but then that's odd as well, isn't it? If she's now facing up to these people and they're walking away, why does she feel the need to r- replace them with with with, with hardline leaders? Well, replace them with a hardliner if that hardliner is so ambitious that they want ministerial office and are prepared to. I mean, that's as I say, that's the risk. That's the risk she's taking. Um, but then I, I've, while she may be seeing off the harder of the harder Brexiteers. You know, she herself, you know, doesn't really care. Mm. She just wants to keep the ship ship afloat, get to march, uh, and and pass pass on to someone else. Um, she doesn't get Europe. She doesn't feel it. She doesn't seem to have any emotional uh, attachment. No, no, because ironic. Because this week we said goodbye to Lord Carrington. I mean, mm. there, there's a man who you know understood what this was about. Yeah, from, you know, from the real a really profound sense of what Europe's about, what, what he stood for mm. and the work that he did throughout his career. And it's ironic just as the week that he dies, you know, the party that he served so well and faithfully and loyally for, for decades mm. is moving, is mm. moving further away. Uh, no, I know. And that's, that's, ironic that's twist. the thing, isn't it? That, that's, you wonder where, where it, where it will all end and where a new center will come from because it, it, it just, yeah, I can't see it right now. I can't see it at all um, on either side. Um, somebody made a very interesting point today, which is that um, if if you if if you had a um, a change of leadership in, in, in the Labour Party and you brought in somebody who was more of a unifying figure um, from from the left across into the centre, mm-hmm. and who took uh, an oppositional stance to to this Tory Brexit. They'd be they'd be twenty thirty percentage points ahead. They would oh, be easily, sweeping into power. easily easily. I mean, it's it's the biggest own goal I think yeah. in modern British yeah. politics. I mean, I, I can't think of a, 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 a of another time in my lifetime. And I've been and I'm I'm a obsessive about politics, yeah. even in hist- historical terms. I can't think of a bigger opportunity. Yeah. I mean. Almost anyone but Corbyn just so would be sweep, would be sweeping this, and, 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 they d- and they don't even have to do anything extreme. They could just say, "Let's have an EEA plus exactly. customs union deal." That would probably get sixty five, seventy percent of the country yeah. behind it. Even die hard, you know, Remainers and pro Europeans like Not myself. Me. Would not me. I w- I'm, I'm not saying I'd vote against it or for it, but I'm saying it's more likely than not yeah. to be the centre ground of enough people to get us through the next year or two, five years, maybe. And it's, it's like, you know, they, they can't see that. Um, but you know, bigger crisis at work, Steve, uh, Chris, sorry, bigger. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of Steve and I'm I looking know at Chris. Beard, but I'm it's looking not at that Chris and I'm beard. thinking of Steve. There's a bigger crisis at work and it may be that, that, you know, Britain just sadly has to go through this, mm. work it out I mean, the whole Irish dimension is fascinating too. I mean, what we're seeing emerging is this English nationalism that Mog and others really are recreating and, and repopulating. Mm. And maybe that just has to have its head and it has to be, it has to emerge, be engaged with and reduced. And then we have to chop its head off. Yeah, we have to chop its head off. But it's almost like it's almost like it has to. It is coming out. It's seeping out. But the only way to do not. that is to is to allow this shite Brexit to go ahead I'm not saying we allow it but well. we have to engage with I mean let's recognise that this is what's partly driving this is this this sort of sense of English nationalism um, yeah and, uh, you know we, 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 call it out call it out call it out I mean 
Mog was also taken apart by Matt Dancona. I'm not sure if you saw that article. This no, week. I didn't. I thoroughly know. recommend it. Mm. It was in the standard. Mm. And he's basically saying, look, we're indulging Mog yeah. in the way that we've been indulging Johnson. Exactly. Um, and so that's Ridiculous. been called out, which is good because, you know, there's a danger that as Johnson disappears, Mog emerges as yeah. the new comedy term. Well, there's always one, isn't there? There's Farage yeah. or Johnson and yeah, Mog. There's always... but, now, but now, you know, the fact that, you know, Dan Coney used to be on the right. Now I think he's sort of gravitated more to the centre. But it's interesting as people centre-right who are calling this out now. They're, they're, they're the ones who have to clean house a bit here. They're the ones who have to say, well, I, I, we've allowed this to fester. I think it's very interesting and quite encouraging in that, you know, um, you've got a new... We, we, we are now travelling... Our fellow travellers are... are, are strange people to, to, to us. I mean, we, 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 you've got a reconfiguration, a realignment in British politics where we've, we find ourselves... I found myself today um, saying to somebody that I would happily, eagerly vote for Corbyn should he, um, A, be electable <laughs> and, B, take a stance against Brexit. But I equally would... Ha- as, ha- as, as happily... And as readily and as eagerly vote for somebody on the right, a Tory, who did the same thing. If they were electable and they were um, taking a clear... Stop Brexit. You know, and, and, and there are a lot of people, like people, people on Twitter that um, we would all think of as one of us. People mm-hmm. like Ian Dunn and, and David Allen Green, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what their personal politics are. Um, mm. I have some I vague ideas, but I do know that prior to the referendum, they were not friends of the EU, and I'm not sure they are particularly friends of the EU anymore either, uh, mm. right now either. Mm. But we've become fellow travellers because we're all just so appalled at the state of British politics, and mm. that seems to be the defining issue. Yeah. And that's been the issue in, in, in much of the, po- the podcasts that we've done, Steve and I. Yeah, yeah it's about Brexit. But it's about more than that. Oh, yeah. It's about Abs- the rot, oh, the rot of democracy. Absolutely. I mean, Brexit is the proxy. Brexit is just yeah. the symptom yeah. of a much, much deeper malaise, which we've all got to tackle. And it's connected to other battles in other countries yeah. and other places, different flavours, different sets of pressures. But there are broad, there are broad similarities across the piece. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, my mantra is, you know, revoke restore renew revoke article 50 restore parliamentary democracy restore membership of uh, the european union but above all renew our democracy our political system you know the way our Hmm. media is working the way public life is structured i mean you you can drill into this in, in a thousand different ways because the criticism we're given is, oh, you want to reverse things. No, we don't want to reverse things because 2016's happened. That referendum's been and gone. We're about restoring and renewing because mm. we get the fact that mm. Brexit's just a symptom of something bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so to left Brexiters and Lexitus and others mm. and Anne and Menon and others, you know, we're not saying that everything's fine if we restore our membership and restore our parliamentary democracy. We're not. We're saying no, that's necessary. Absolutely. That's actually a necessary condition mm. to renew. They will say no. Menon will say things like, well, uh, I'm not that bothered by Brexit because it's actually it's surfaced all these deeper problems. I think that's a very dangerous argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I agree. I mean, they, they, are, they are indeed problems that needed to be surfaced, but um, I, I, I don't think it had to be this way. And Absolutely I think this not. It's an no, exceptionally dangerous Yeah, and we'd agree yeah. that Brexit doesn't solve the causes of Brexit. Yeah, no, it does get me very cross um, when people look at us as Remainers and say, well, you just want to go back to where we were and you're not interested in reform. And, then, you know, well, what do you mean by reform? Because you, you almost certainly don't mean what I mean. Because yeah. I'm very much a reformist, yeah, but yeah. not the kind of reform you want, which is just sort of going back to some hazy <laughs> national nation status past. But, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, what's slightly sad about the discussions we're having in Britain now is that they're, they're echoing almost word for word discussions that were had in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a historian by training and I've been reading some of the speeches from, you know, the 1970s mm-hmm. House of Commons debates and uh, it's uncanny. The echo is just, it's just startling. You know, mm-hmm. Almost word for word, the same metaphors, the yeah. same analogies, the same fears. Yeah. 
Um, and on the left, it's, you know, socialism in one country will be denied us. We will not be able to nationalize. We'll not be able to provide subsidy yeah. and rural and, and, you know, economic development, regional development. All that's a threat. And then on the right, Enoch Powell was banging on nonstop mm. about sovereignty. And the idea that it was just an economic mm. Free trading agreements, crap. They were they were very very aware of the politics of, of what it were. meant, and, and exactly the same, exactly yeah. the same fears. Which is which is what's so fucking frustrating. Excuse my language, but it's so fucking frustrating about these evil who come and say, well. Um, we never had a proper referendum about where we wanted to go. We never, we nobody ever told us we would end up in this place. Absolutely, and, uh, you know, no, 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 no. You know, well, you're not allowed to have another referendum now, but we were allowed to have another referendum, <laughs> another one, because what we voted on back then was something quite different. It's just oh, it makes me so cross. Yeah. Well, there again, I mean, referenda are terrible and yeah. very dangerous, but uh, we may, we may yet have another one to undo. The crap one we had, but my preferred way out of this is through parliamentary democracy being restored, um, and we have full and thorough debates and citizens' juries and other other mechanisms like that, which actually engage citizens in thinking through and show trials and public show trials. trials. You know, we could public execution. Yeah, well, uh, that, why not? Why not? I mean, look, if we want to go the full hog, if we want to go the full Monty of Dominic Raab. Dominic Cummings plus, you know, Matthew Elliott, you know, it will be low tax, uh, high state intervention in terms of the military, police and prisons. Hanging, it's interesting, hanging was, Ledsom and others were coming out with, we must have a referendum on hanging yeah. almost within within a millisecond yeah. of 2016. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's they the direction wait. of travel. Uh, that's the, that's yeah. the world they want. No, um, absolutely. So absolutely. fine, if, if, you know... String a few of them up first, you know. No, I, I am no. We are, we are <laughs> yeah. not advocate. Kate Watch does not endorse capital, p- capital, ex- uh, capital punishment. No. However, uh, were, 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 were they to consider reintroducing the pillory? Oh, I wouldn't say pillory. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, or put them on some agonising Japanese-style game show. Remember that one <laughs> yes. in the nineties? Like Castle. Yeah, it was horrible. Where they, they, they'd make. I mean, I remember the one where they, they, were, they were taken out. I think it was into the Sahara. Oh, the endurance and, game. Yeah, and they had they had sort of magnifying glasses, <laughs> magnifying the sun onto their nipples. <laughs> and it was the guy who could survive. It's fine. Yeah, we could we could introduce that and yeah, make all know. prospective yeah. conservative or make them or, I know. all go through that. Got run it. the gauntlet of, 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 of game show. Make them watch England play football in the World Cup. There Why you go. What, what greater in, punishment? Yeah, in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> the one and a half hour game lasts three hours, you know. Nick, um, our hour is up. Um, but How much do I owe you for that? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, um, you have an opportunity to get anything else off your chest that you'd like to. I'm sure you'll be back one of these days. Thank However, you so much, um, Chris. You're here now. so. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, it's a great pleasure. And I, I really just want to thank uh, you and Steve for the work you're doing, for setting up this you know, podcast, blogging, tweeting, showing up. As Woody Allen said, 80% of success is showing up. And you guys have showed up. You encourage me and others. I'm working here in Brussels with a small group called Pro Europa. We're volunteers. Our aim is to help keep Britons in, end Brexit and renew the union. And we want to work with, we want to work with you and what the work Steve is doing with his MEPs, Final Say, and all the campaign groups in mm. the UK. So we're going to try and help mobilise folks here, Brits and non-Brits, to work with folks over in Britain to keep this fight going. So I thank you for the opportunity well, to come and talk about that. But also, I mean, really want to support the work you're doing because it's, it's made a difference to me. It encourages me and others. And we read the stuff. And it, you know, it is all about our our team and our tribe and our, our lot getting together now. Mm. And you've done a fantastic job. Keep, keep it up. Well, uh, thank you. That you know, that's that's high praise. Given that I am effectively um, a pure slacktivist. Um, <laughs> you hide it I, well. You hide it well, Chris. What I do is generally done behind a microphone or a keyboard, um, uh, and that's the way I like it. But um, if if we all do our bit in in our own special way, then um, together we can make a difference. That's the idea, and that's the hope. So yeah, so thank you, Nick, and you 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 in particular, I think, are um, a real asset to the cause because well, you've got you. all sorts of energy, and uh, we saw that energy on display the other day outside my office where you were <laughs> giving speeches and. 
Yeah, more of that stuff. Well, Brilliant. I'm available. Right. So <laughs> tell us, where can, we, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, at Nick Crosby. Spell it. N-I-C-K-C-R-O-S-B-Y. Brilliant. And the... Uh, at Pro Europa underscore GB. At Pro That's Europa underscore GB. GB is, 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 the, is the little sort of campaign outfit. Very good. Um, yeah. And okay. I'm also going to be doing some work with Peter Wilding and British Influence and... And I'll, 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 I'll stick links on that as it, as it emerges. Because what we'd like to do is get folks here in Brussels, you know, actively dropping stuff into the campaigns in the UK. And we've got mm. a few ideas cooking. Brilliant. Um, but I'll keep you, keep you guys posted on Absolutely. that as well. Well, we're going to give you a little guest page on the website for the, for the podcast, which is um, Laura's already got one. Oh, right. Thank you. Um, Alan's got one too. So, yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, look, thank you very much. Um, and uh, I don't know if we're going to be back next week. We might be. Uh, we might not. But um, we will be back soon. Um, we are still on our summer break, so it's, yeah, yeah. it was a sneaky one that we snuck. <laughs> but, um, no, it's, it's good. good. Yeah, I was missing it. All right, very good. All right, thanks, Cheers. Nick. Thanks a lot. Good night, thanks, everyone. Cheers. Your loss.